the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. We trust in who he is. And we don't trust in results. We trust in the character and nature of God. And that's where our confidence lies. That's where our trust lies. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, but, you know, listen, life's going to throw you some curveballs. And whether or not you have necessarily the gift of faith, we are all to walk in this confidence and trust in the Lord. This is that living faith. This is operating and exercising in faith. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Hebrews. Though some may be gifted in faith more than you, you're still called to pursue faithfulness towards the Lord your God. This means that you are to actively pursue and fight to trust in Jesus and His Word. Pastor Gary teaches you today that to accomplish this, You must know your Bible, know Jesus, and know how He wants you to serve. To accomplish these things, you must partake in a daily walk with Jesus, consistently feeding your mind with His Word and seeking Him out in conversation through prayer and worship. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. All right, Hebrews, chapter 11. If you have your Bibles open there to Hebrews, chapter 11. Uh, we're now heading into one of the most studied and beloved chapters really in all of the Bible. Hebrews chapter 11 is commonly referred to as the Hebrew Hall of Faith because in this 11th chapter of Hebrews, God gives us example after example after example of men and women who persevere uh, in, in the face of oftentimes trials or testings or difficulties or distress by exercising faith in God. And so this is a wonderful chapter to just be encouraged in your own personal walk with the Lord when you would then be inspired by the wonderful example of many others that have gone before us. Now, the writer of Hebrews is going to mention by name 17 people, 17 people by name, and then many others that he's going to refer to not by name. And again, the whole purpose is that we might be inspired and encouraged to live out our lives with faith in God in the face of whatever persecution or difficulties or distress or trials or 
testings that we might be going through. In fact, if you just glance real quickly to chapter 12, verse 1, after this whole 11th chapter just listing a person after person after person who has been a real strong example of someone who exercised faith, in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So that's the reason why he writes verse 1 of chapter 12 on the heels of chapter 11 is to say basically, since we've been so inspired by such a great cloud of witnesses, all these other people that have gone before us, exercised great faith, let it encourage us to continue to run the race with perseverance that we might finish well. So that's really the purpose of chapter 11. Now, I want to point out that these, are, these people listed here in chapter 11 are not superheroes of the faith. These are your average, everyday, ordinary people. Now, because they have exercised faith, we, we respect them as kind of, you know, superheroes of the faith, but they're, they're really just as ordinary as you and I are. These are just everyday common people who had faith in God to see them through some of the darkest times of their lives. So when you read this with me, I don't want any of us to think, well, you know, that was for another day and those were for, for some special people who are giants of the faith. No, this is, this is for you and me too because these are very ordinary everyday people. And so let it encourage us as we read through this chapter and be inspired by their example before us that we might run the race with perseverance. Amen? So here in in chapter 11, let me read the first two verses. It says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now I want to first just give a few bullet points as somewhat of an introduction to this chapter so that we can understand in in the context what kind of faith that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. Now, I I do want to point out, though, as I read verse 2, you might notice that it says this is what the ancients were commended for. I like King James Version better. It says this is what the elders were commended for. These are people who have gone on before us, but, you know, the older I get, I don't really like to think of myself as one of the ancients. You know what I'm saying to you? I mean, you you don't teach your kids, hey, respect your ancients. I mean, you, you... you teach your kids respect your elders, so I kind of like the word elders better, but that's what he's referring to. The men and women have gone on before us. The men and women of Old Testament Scripture, the, many of these names are going to be familiar to us. People have gone on before us that have finished well and served the Lord well and exercised faith. Now again, verse 1, now faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. King James says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. First thing I want to point out is an important distinction. When the writer of Hebrews is writing here about this whole subject of faith throughout chapter 11, uh, there are three different types of faith, and it's important to note this distinction, that there's a difference between saving faith, the gift of faith, and living by faith. So everybody needs to understand this. There are three types of faith in the Bible. One is saving faith. This is Ephesians 2, uh, verse 8, where it talks about it as by grace you have been saved through faith, and this the gift of God, uh, not of works, lest any of us should boast. 
So every one of us comes to a relationship with Christ through the exercise of saving faith. That is, that is, we put our trust in who Jesus is. We believe him to be the son of God. We believe by faith that he died on a cross for our sins. That's saving faith. And no one uh, becomes a Christian without exercising that type of faith. That's one kind of faith the Bible talks about. The Bible also talks about the gift of faith. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are nine spiritual gifts that are listed. There are other passages in the New Testament which really bring the total to 20 spiritual gifts. But there are nine spiritual gifts listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and one of those gifts is the gift of faith. So this is different from saving faith. You become a Christian through the exercise of saving faith, but there are some Christians who have been given by God this particular gift among several gifts. God distributes the gifts as he wills. And some people have been given by God the gift. It's actually a gift of faith. And what does this mean? It's beyond saving faith. It means that there's actually the ability to trust God with a confidence in the midst of some kind of difficulty. And you know people like this who have this gift of faith that it, the world can be exploding and they just have this measured peace and calm and this confidence in the Lord. Do you, you know people who have this gift? It's a wonderful thing. I do not personally have this gift, okay? When the world is exploding inside, I'm exploding. But my wife has this gift. My wife has the gift of faith. There are times where I've seen her just exercise just an extra measure of peace and calm, no matter what's going on. I remember one time years ago, she and I were walking around the neighborhood, and I was going through some, some tests I had to have, physical tests, and I was worried about some of the things that originally that they, you know, were thinking that, you know, you know how you get that, like, well, you might have this, you might have that, and so you have to go through all these testings. And so it turned out to be nothing. So everything's fine. It turned out to be nothing. But in the moment, you know, I didn't know what this is about. And so I remember walking the neighborhood with Terry, and she's like, listen, listen, listen. Okay, that's my wife's voice. She hates it when I do that, and she's here tonight. But anyway, she's like, listen, listen, just trust God. What's the worst that could happen? You die and go to heaven. Like, is that, is that supposed to encourage me? I don't... I, I, don't, I don't feel encouraged right now, but, but she's basically like, you know, just trust, like the big picture, and it's true, like big picture, what's the worst? I mean, you're going to go to heaven, but at the moment, that didn't really seem very comforting, but she has that gift, and if you know people with that gift, you, you, you love to be around them when things are going nuts in your life, because they have this measure of just confidence and trust in the Lord. It is a spiritual gift that God distributes to some people. And then there's this third type of faith that is living by faith. This is the faith that he's talking about here, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11. This is the kind of faith that all of us, having gotten through the first kind, which is saving faith, if you're a believer, God wants us to exercise faith on a regular basis, to just kind of walk in this trust of God and this confidence of who he is. Now, be very careful because the whole subject of faith has been, you know, butchered in terms of some, some circles of how they teach the topic of faith. It is not faith in faith. It is faith in God and having a trust in Him who holds the universe in the palm of His hand and it is resting in who He is and believing that because of the intrinsic nature of God that He's good, that everything that happens, it's going to be okay because God is good and at the end of the day, 
He accomplishes his good purposes in my life. This is Romans 8, 28, right? In your life, in my life, we can trust God. He works all things together for our good according to his purposes in Christ Jesus. So we can trust him. He's going to work everything out. He's good. And we trust in who he is. And we don't trust in results. We trust in the character and nature of God. And that's where our confidence lies. That's where our trust lies. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, but, you know, listen, life's going to throw you some curveballs. And whether or not you have necessarily the gift of faith, we are all to walk in this confidence and trust in the Lord. This is that living faith. This is operating and exercising in faith. So um, that's the first thing to note, that there's a difference between these different types of faith, saving faith, the gift of faith, and living by faith. For you note-takers, here's another point that's important to, to understand. Faith involves, quote, seeing what is unseen. Now, I listed all the verses up there for you, and I'm going to quickly rattle them uh, off with you. The number of references to the times uh, that uh, chapter 11 uses the word, some reference to sight, to to some reference to sight. So I'm just going to highlight it with you. You can follow along if you'd like or just listen. Uh, For example, verse 1, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Verse 3, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Verse 7, by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Verse 10, for he was looking forward, this is Abraham, he was looking forward, looking, looking, seeing, looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Verse 14, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. Verse 23, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw He was no ordinary child. Verse 26, this is Moses. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. In verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. So faith involves some measure of sight, not physical sight, but spiritual sight. This is why Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, that we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, for that which is seen is temporal, but that which is unseen is eternal. So it involves some measure of sight, but we're talking with your spiritual eyes, not with physical eyes. As we get older, this is just the reality of life, as we get older, our physical senses will diminish. It gets harder for us to see. It gets harder for us to hear. Uh, our taste sometimes goes away. The ability to touch and feel or smell. The older we get, our physical senses tend to diminish. But the older we get in the Lord, our spiritual senses tend to become more heightened. And as we walk with the Lord longer and longer, we are more able, we can better hear his voice. We can better see things, spiritually speaking. We can 
better feel his presence and know him in a way that transcends the physical senses. This is the kind of thing that exercising faith is all about. It is growing in our relationship with him and thereby our senses, our spiritual senses become more awakened and more heightened the older we get. Faith is spiritual sight. And then the third bullet point before we get further in our chapter here is faith is an action, not just a feeling. And I wanted to point this out by just giving you an example of some of the first few people mentioned here in chapter 11. Uh, It says that Abel offered. It says that Noah built and Abraham went. Okay, just as a, a few examples. You notice that, you know, the verbs employed there tell us that faith is not just a feeling and it's not just sitting around hoping God will do something. Faith is acting on as much as we can as far as, as far as what we can do, and it is trusting God for the rest. So it involves some measure of action. It's, again, it's not just sitting around, well, I have faith that, that God's going to do this and God's going to do and God may do this and God may do that, fine. But faith is not just a feeling or a sense there's actually some action to be, to be exercised in response to the trust and the confidence that you have in God, who is always faithful. So, you know, don't, don't think of faith as just, well, something that, that you know, I, it's just this feeling and trust and God does everything. God can do anything he wants. But these examples we're going to read are about people who exercised some measure of action in response to this trust and confidence that they had in the Lord. So please note that as we go through this list. So in chapter 11, verse 3, no no greater place to begin after the first two verses than with a faith lesson regarding the story of creation. And he writes in verse 3, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. There's two Hebrew words that talk about the creative nature of God. One is bara, which means to create out of nothing, and one is asa, which means to make something with, with material that has already been created. And when it speaks here about the universe, it uses that word bara, meaning God created the universe out of nothing. That, you know, he's God, and so he created everything out of nothing. Um, this is an important place to start. The reason that the writer of Hebrews, before he even gets to the first name of the first person as a good example of faith, starts with this point about creation is because if you can accept that much by faith that God is the creator of the universe, then guess what? No difficulty you go through is going to be any problem. Because when you realize that your difficulty or your challenge is going to be met by the one who created the universe out of nothing, boy, it sure gives you hope in the midst of whatever you're facing. Because it's like, okay, my difficulty, my situation, my thing I'm, I'm dealing with, I'm going to put my faith in the one who created the universe. And if he created the universe, probably what I'm going through is not too difficult for him. 
right? This is Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. When Jeremiah would write one of my favorite verses, Ah, sovereign Lord, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thine outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too difficult for God because God created everything. And as creator of the universe, he can handle whatever my situation is. I'm going to share a few quotes with you in regards to the whole idea of creation. Um, The British physicist Stephen Hawking would have disagreed with my statement about God creating the universe. Dr. Hawking came out with a book in 2010 called The Grand Design. And in his book, The Grand Design, he asserts that God did not create the universe, but he points to something that he called the M-theory. Now, the M-theory basically is, is this. It's the idea that the physical laws of the universe inevitably led to the spontaneous creation of the universe without the necessity of a creator or any other kind of what we would call first cause. So Dr. Hawking believed before he died that the universe is something that spontaneously was generated, that there was no need for a first cause, that the M theory is why we have all that we have today. Now, what's interesting to note, however, is that Dr. Hawking also wrote a book earlier in 1988 called A Brief History in Time. And in that book, he said this, quote, one could still imagine that God created the universe at the instant of the Big Bang or even afterwards in just such a way as to make it look as though there had been a Big Bang, end quote. So which Stephen Hawking are we to believe? The 1988 or the 2010 version? I mean, listen, this is a profound and great and wonderful, magnificent really from a humanly speaking standpoint, um, incomprehensible uh, work of God that he would create the universe. Uh, But this is the kind of thing that we accept by faith. And if you can accept that by faith, you're going to have no problems accepting anything else by faith. I frankly would prefer the, um, the opinion of someone who held the same position that Dr. Hawking held at University of Cambridge 300 years earlier, and that would be Sir Isaac Newton. Sir Isaac Newton came to a very different conclusion when he said, quote, this is the, our, our scientist and the father of modern physics, he said, quote, this most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent and powerful being. This being governs all things, not as the soul of the world, but as Lord over all, and on account of his dominion, he is wont to be called Lord God, universal ruler. Amen. So a great scientist can arrive at different conclusions, but uh, I believe in, in uh, the account of Scripture that God created the universe, and the writer of Hebrews says here in chapter 11, that's, that's going to be the beginning point. When you can settle God as creator... You can trust him for whatever you're going through because nothing is too difficult for him. So then he begins this list here. The writer of Hebrews then begins this list, and he begins this in uh, chronological order, going back to the Old Testament, and he's going to give various examples. Again, 17 people by name, and he's going to start here with Abel. Oh, Oh, my God. 
That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this edition in Hebrews again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary's Bible teachings, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so you're able to keep up to date with every new program we post as soon as we make it available. You can even download our mobile app to stay connected to the truth of God's Word everywhere you go, in every circumstance you find yourself in. All this is found at our website. Again, that address is cornerstoneconnection.cc. Is there anything happening in your life right now that we could be praying for? We'd love to know how God is leading you and changing your heart. Or is there anything God's doing that deserves some rejoicing? Please let us know. We love that we can interact with our listeners and we feel honored to be able to pray for your requests. Give us a call at 703-771-1500. We'd be happy to do our best to answer your questions and tell you more about this ministry, along with the church it stems from, Cornerstone Chapel. So don't hesitate to call. That number again is 703-771-1500. Thanks for tuning in to Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know